When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Watch Diary. We're back talking Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm Ryan Snelling. Andres Cabrera is on the other side of the line. What's up, man? How are you? Good, man. Excited for this wild episode. I am too. It is 6.50 Saturday evening it's been a long wait long wait this might be the most anticipated discussion that you and i have had the past what 14 weeks or however Mm. long it's been i I think we're about to discuss one of the best hours of content that marvel has ever produced here honestly man i i I would say that's hyperbole but low-key that's very true (laughs) uh yeah i'm with you man you wait. So you're admitting it's not hyperbole. Is that what you're I, saying? I'm admitting you're very much spot on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Very good. I was gonna say use the word hyperbole. It scared me because no, no, no. I'm saying that that would be hyperbole, but yeah. not in this case. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you agree. Sorry, my headset just went out. But um, I usually go into our conversations here completely you know removed from social media reactions and so i don't really know what the conversation is and of course you and i don't really talk uh prior to recording um had no idea if you would agree with me but i'm so glad you do because here's the other thing i will admit i this is maybe the least amount of notes i've ever taken and Mm. i think that's a good thing just because i was so swept up in it but I, I don't even know if you take notes, honestly. I, I've never asked you. I, but. I don't, but it's kind of ironic, right? Considering this is probably the most stacked episode Marvel has ever done, right? I mean, so much happened. Yeah. I, I run into this every time we recap TV shows. And for the most part, the pattern is, hey, I'm just so swept up. I'm so entertained by what's going on that um, I just sometimes forget. Or, or maybe I just don't know. Maybe so much happens. Maybe there's a lot of action, and there's just not really a whole lot to comment on. You know, it's usually a note about like, hey, what does this mean for Marvel? What does this mean to the MCU? How do we feel about this character episode to episode? And you know, I I don't know that like say our attitudes towards John Walker have changed. So it's really not so much about that. It's really just about like, hey, these scenes were amazing, and here's why. And I think unless you have some mental notes that are differing from mine, I think that's really all that we're gonna do here is gush. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like there's two sides to this episode. I mean, I might be wrong here, but this is kind of how I broke it down where it's it's one of them is like John Walker in the Super Soldier Serum and what does that mean? And then the other one is like philosophies of like five different people, right? From John Walker to his buddy Battlestar to uh, um, Carly Morgenthau to Zemo to Sam to Bucky. Like all of them have slightly different iterations of what they feel is right. Yeah. And all of them are kind of going about it in different ways. Uh, which is why the episode is so packed because there's so much like mini philosophy lessons, Um, whether it's a one liner or two lines, like each person kind of gave their own little twist on morality and all that. So I I just thought that was probably the most fascinating part of the episodes, maybe besides the epic finale. 
Yeah, my my lack of notes is certainly not a reflection of like, oh, hey, this episode didn't have a whole lot going on. And I I probably reduced all of what you just said into Carly's motivations because I I thought of you Mm. more than I ever have watching this episode because that was sort of where we left off last Mm. week. You were talking about how conflicted you were and how interested you were in seeing where they were taking this character. Cause you, I, I'm sure just like most people, you don't want to feel like this is an empty, an empty addition to the MCU. You know, you want to walk away feeling positive about every cog that they presented here in this great big machine. And, um, the fact that we explored so much of what's going on with her, um, I, I knew that you'd be very pleased. Yeah, no, I definitely was. And it's definitely, I can't lie, man. The more episodes go by, and I know a lot of people got on the whole Zemo hype train because of his dance moves and all that <laughs> last week. But this week, I was like, oh, my God. I think I'm low-key hashtag Team Zemo. Uh, I, I felt like everything he was saying was spot on. <laughs> like, it really was kind of fascinating to kind of look back and really consider, like, the whole concept of super soldier means some sort of, like, superiority over people uh, and really kind of like using your physical prowess to like overcome other people and to put other people down, essentially. Uh, and I was like, damn, I've never considered it that way. But if you really, really kind of like imagine a real world scenario where let's say the U.S. really was doing the super soldier program or another country was, we would be we would be up in arms. We would be like, are you kidding me? Like we're already like questioning authority left and right in America when it comes to policing. Mm. You imagine if we gave cops like superpowers, you know what I'm saying? Like just the idea of that is inherently kind of evil. (laughs) So I was like, yo, Loki Zemo's right. (laughs) Definitely. That that's what was so dynamic about this is that we got so many, sides of the argument and it might not have all taken place in every scene i mean carly doesn't directly interact with zemo but i mean zemo has his stance and his discussion on supremacy and compares the avengers to nazis which was kind of fascinating um Mm. and you know carly talks about that too she's like hey i'm not a supremacist at all it's um me fighting supremacy the reason why i'm doing this and it's like i I don't really know if I believe her, but that's not really the point. It's the fact that, like, hey, this is just what's driving this character. And um, another reason why it's dynamic, too, we've we've talked the past couple of weeks about how we've been really into everything that they're doing with Bucky. We do get back into the roots, you know, where we first met Sam. And that was him working at the VA. Mm. talking to um, veterans and you know they brought that asset that ability to the table and he had a great conversation that's part of the reason why Carly's um, I, I don't know them drawing Carly out so much in the scene it has a lot to do with Sam being the right person to have that conversation and I mean it's just every every scene was like that I mean we could go on and on yeah no it really was and it, I think Sam was definitely one of the key standouts in this episode, considering the uh, the episode was all about like who is Captain America and what does that represent, mm. uh, and if it is just you know the symbol, the shield, and obviously that whole thing comes back with the final shot of the episode, which I thought was awesome, yeah, uh, because it really did kind of you know show you what that shield could represent. Is this one of those moments where like we just? as podcasters have to go right there like not that we can't go back to everything i I, I think so i I really do (laughs) i I feel like it's an epic moment it's a dark moment Uh it's just like it's just iconic it's already iconic the shield covered in blood it it low-key is kind of like yeah this is definitely uh it's something man yeah i um was amazed by this you know it's the most familiar in terms of like what we've seen on Marvel Netflix, right? But you know, we watched those shows thinking that there were such tremendous departures, and this kind of blurred the lines a little bit. And, and you know, again, to say that I've seen so many you know violent episodes of Marvel television shows at this point, but like the fact that 
I don't know. It's you know, it's the cliche thing that I always do when I open up these episodes. It's just talking about how I can't believe it. But I was just genuinely in shock that that it happened, you know, f- within the story, but also that it was happening on Disney Plus. That it was mm. happening inside of my precious MCU. You know, it's uh, kind of up there with how shocking it was to see Thanos decapitated. At the beginning of of Endgame, but even mm. then, but even then, it would kind of like strayed away from it a little bit, like in terms of like not showing the blood. You know, it's cauterized, and mm-hmm. uh, it, yeah, and it's and it's. Uh, can I can I counter that too? It's yeah. a cartoon. It's still technically a cartoon. Yeah, uh, where it's animated, like Thanos is still technically an animated figure mm-hmm. uh, because CGI is still considered you know computer animation. Sure. I think, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think this might be up there as far as like the most, not not violent, but definitely the most like jarring imagery uh, on a network that's Disney Plus, uh, where Disney is all about their image, considering they just fired Paul Pierce, R.I.P. Paul <laughs> Pierce. Um, but R. considering R.I.P. Paul, R. Paul Pierce, uh, considering they care about their image so much that they they fired a guy because of you know smoking and strippers. Uh, but but they're cool with like the Captain America shield covered in blood and this crazy psycho dude just like tearing up this guy's chest and caving it in, right? Um, but it's definitely for a purpose, which is why I feel like it's perfect. I still get kind of thrown off by I, you know what's funny, and I don't know why I'm watching it. It was just one of those videos that came up in my queue, and I just kind of said, "I'm the the press tour for Captain America: Civil War." is paused on my TV right now. It was just kind of something I was watching for no reason at all. And, um, like, hearing the actors sitting, like, next to Kevin Feige in a press room and just saying things like, God damn, always kind of, like, it always makes me kind of, like, jolt back a little bit because I'm wondering, like, I wonder if there's an actual conversation about how these people can carry themselves. Probably, man. I almost guarantee there is, yeah. Because of the fact that they're not only representing things that kids look up to, but under Disney. And it's like, I don't don't think Kevin Feige cares because, you know, I've seen one press conference after another where they use foul language like that. And, you know... The the MCU movies, of course, have a ton of foul language. I mean, there's shit, hell, and you know, goddamn, and all those movies. But like, um, but I feel like that's as far as it goes, right? I, I don't right. think I've ever seen anything over that. And, and you know, I don't know that I've ever in my life had a discussion about the MCU movies and and cuss words. You know, I, I don't really care or discuss cuss words in movies. But I mean, it, it's worth maybe mentioning just because of how shocked we were by this, and you know. You don't realize maybe how sterile a lot of these scenes are up until this point. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. no, I, I agree, and I feel like I, I feel like Kevin Feige, his rule has always been whatever the parameter of PG thirteen is, that's as far as I'm willing to go. Yeah. So I I, I wouldn't. Okay, I, I'm not going to say that. I, I wouldn't say like they're going to throw an f bomb in there to make the PG thirteen one f bomb. But I'm saying like Kevin Feige is the kind of guy who's like, whatever PG thirteen can give me, I'll I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, because he famously, and I brought it up a million times. I probably brought it up here, but it's the idea of like he even said it during the uh, the Blade uh, premiere, not the Blade premiere, the Blade announcement. I'm sorry. Yeah. Where someone in the crowd was like, make it R. And he was like, no, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be PG-13 and you're going to like it. Yeah. Uh, and everyone thought it was a joke, but he's definitely not joking. <laughs> right. He really wants everything to be PG-13. So I feel like as far as this kind of violence can go, as long as it's off screen and stuff like that, and you don't see the guy's chest like explode, I feel like it's it's good enough for him. Mm. I also thought back to a, a scene similar to this um, when Black Panther arrests Claw in uh, mm. South Korea. And the title of this episode is The Whole World is Watching. I was thinking about how Black Panther finally gets to Claw. Um, and they kind of have to remind him that, like, hey, people are filming you right now. Like, mm. we got to, like, just take him in and, it, it, like, no more violence. Don't, you know, beat him up or anything. And I thought about that moment. And this is kind of the better version of that because they did go the extra mile and they Mm -hmm. did play with the stakes of that. And it's the one aspect of the, or the, I don't know, maybe the highest profile moment that's going to, you know, how we're going to arrive into the next episode. We're going to think, be thinking about, Hey, what are the repercussions of this moment? And, uh, you know, 
that's that's one thing that's great about these series is that Black Panther kind of it's just the plot point. But now we're moving into uh, I don't know something that could change the entire outcome of uh, this series. Yeah, I, I feel like it's purposeful, right? Because I, I think it was episode two where uh, I, I mentioned on this podcast where John Walker mentioned that America has all the resources where he was like, yeah, well, we're America and, and we got all the resources where it, it kind of made you feel like, wait a minute, is America kind of hoarding uh, all the resources and kind of leaving the rest of the world to rot, which is kind of the implication that Carly gave to the GRC. Yeah. Um last episode and i feel like this is kind of the culmination of that where now it's not only america stomping on everyone else with their you know resources and power but now literally with their own super powered individuals uh and their symbols that are literally caving people's chests in uh with u.s weapons and and u.s supercharged super soldiers which is a, another example of u.s superiority uh which again goes back to zemo's point uh, I, I think it's a perfect culmination of what America might represent in this like post snap, post like Tony re-snap mm-hmm. world. I think that we have to include Hoskins' death in this because yeah, it, it's just as impactful. I mean, the way that it hits, and I just you know rewatched the episode, of course, a couple of hours ago. The way that there's no like cliche like last breath kind of <clears throat> kind of death to it. I mean, his body hits hard and you can see him instantly die. Yeah. And it's it's crazy. I mean, that was the start of all of this. Um how shocked I was, how the look on everybody's faces when it happened and you know, and then it's bridged into uh what Walker eventually does with the shield and that iconic, I mean, but it's all of it. And, uh, just want to make sure that we mentioned that too, because it was, uh, that was where my jaw dropped, honestly. Yeah. I, I loved it because I felt like it was a, a perfect example of what the super soldier serum has always meant and what superpowers have always meant. And I feel like most TV shows and comic book movies don't show it, but if you really do the math, right. And multiply, the tons of pressure and PCI and all the stuff that I'm a nerd about, like when it comes to like martial arts and punch power and all that kind of jazz. Mm. And if you really think about it, it's one of those things where it's like a punch from Spider-Man would crack your spinal cord in half and turn it to dust. <laughs> uh, a kick from Captain America would probably break your spine. Yeah. So it's always one of those things where I'm glad they kind of showed it where Carly is like, yeah, I'm gonna punch this dude as hard as I can. Oh crap. I killed him <laughs> because I'm a damn super soldier. And that's what happens when you have powers that are designed to kill. So I, I really like the quick, the quickness of his death. Right. Yeah, definitely. And it also makes me think about the great moment that sort of set up. Well, I don't know if it set up the idea, but it's related that. I mean, Walker got, gets his ass kicked by the Dora Milaje, which mm. is just like a cool moment for the Dora Milaje as fans of like, oh, that's awesome. But also the fact that he does have that, you know, his ego is just has just been pissed on. Mm. And he says, hey, they weren't even super soldiers. And that's what leads to him, you know, being, you know, self-conscious and uncomfortable as Captain America. He feels like he needs the juice. But uh, I mean, all that entire thread, it's exactly what we've been saying uh, when it comes to the Homelander stuff. And it's kind of a dream come true that we do have this type of character in the, in the MCU now, like fully formed, I feel like. And um, yeah, I don't know what to what to make of it, really. Like, I, I don't know how much we can really detract from everything else that's going on and, you know, there's a lot going on and we have two episodes to to wrap it all up but uh in the in the meantime this this character just um i'm so glad that it wasn't what it i thought it was initially i thought it again an entity just sort of in the background just like a guy um this fake hero doing press and i'm i'm just so glad that they've handled him the way that they have yeah, and the way they made it seem like it's very much him being overwhelmed by pressure, him being a little bit of a hothead, him having maybe some PTSD from war. It's a combination of a lot of things, right? It's not just mm-hmm. kind of like 
you know, he's a crazy dude who wants to do crazy things. It's more, much more of like a, a, a myriad of effects and of situations that happen that kind of push him over the edge, which is why it culminates with um, Lamar, his friend, dying. And that's kind of what makes him break. Uh, obviously, he was already breaking before then. Uh, even uh, Bucky says it. But I feel like that scene kind of painted the picture of like, okay, this is a guy who had a lot of things kind of thrown at his face and he responded in the worst way possible. I I don't want to go too much further without just mentioning real quick that this episode and last week's episode were written by Derek Colstead. And I haven't really been paying a whole lot of attention to the to the writers, specifically just Malcolm Spellman as showrunner and uh, what Carrie Scoglin as the director. But um he wrote all three and then the upcoming two John Wick movies. He wrote the Nobody movie that just came out with Bob Odenkirk. And I'm just now sort of applying a name to this writer who's written so many things that I've enjoyed. And surely to God, we'll be able to analyze this better in two more weeks, but surely to God he will be given a Marvel film. The way that he was able to flesh out pre-existing characters, but also introduce and and it, it's just awesome. And the fact that like I'm actually taking the time to think about and examine who this writer is when I usually don't. Like I couldn't tell you who wrote um, Captain Marvel. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's just, just worth mentioning. And I just wanted to mention that real quick. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure he will, man. He's definitely killing it right now. He's got the two John Wick movies, and then the co- he's involved in the Continental, which is the you know TV show. So this entire world uh, looks like there's a Hitman TV series, but I think a lot of that will go away or at least be postponed if Kevin Feige calls him and asks him. And that, that's the other thing too, man. Like I, I just want to thank the Russos for laying so much of this, uh, laying the pipe, you know, <laughs> laying, laying the plumbing and setting the foundation because. This espionage, the way that they do action, um, and all of it, it just comes from them. And uh, so I'm still still feeling some Russo love, even though they're no longer really directly a part of it. And uh, I, I don't know. I guess I was thinking about that, too, since that press conference was up. Because, uh, you know, introducing Sharon Carter and the way a lot of this stuff is filmed. I, and I constantly compare this to WandaVision and why I think this works and why it's more more my vibe and it's just because of these creators so i just wanted to make sure i took some time to mention that for sure yeah i i think it's worthy and i think uh i think they're killing it man and i feel and i feel the groundedness of it all so much so that they have me rethinking everything maybe a little too deeply <laughs> even though it's a marvel show and i'm over here like yo this is not this is not how the world should be but it's definitely still a Marvel show. So they have me reconsidering a lot of notions. Because if you really think about it, the idea, I haven't seen, what's it called? The first Avenger in a minute. Mm. Um, but the idea of the super soldier serum was essentially as a counter attack to what the Nazis and what Hydra was doing, right? Yeah. Where it was extreme circum- circumstances met with extreme measures taken by the U.S. government. Uh and it's one of those things where it might be a little bit justified. I can make an argument that now it's almost like overkill, right? Where Sam has a line to uh, to Zemo where he's like, yo, isn't that what God thinks? Uh, gods think when he says that uh, that we shouldn't have super soldiers. And, and Sam is like, oh, yeah, but you're thinking like you're a god. Like you have that right to decide. Yeah. And I was like – uh, that doesn't really hold up because if you really think about it, the whole idea of super soldier serum, that is what a God thinks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like Sam might've mistaken his ideology because I do feel like the super soldier serum is inherently considering yourself to be superior to someone else or worthy of some sort of power uh, or chosen. I think even Carly says it this episode where she says, I felt like we were chosen, right? Um, and it's that idea of like, you think your mentality and your mind is righteous because you have powers. 
I definitely questioned it the second time I heard Sam say, say that. But, you know, sort of as we're, you and I are talking here, I think back to the point you made about martial arts. You know, and, and the fact that they talk a lot about how, like, look, the super soldier serum really just amplifies who you already are. Mm. Um, or, or I don't know, maybe it doesn't, maybe it does, maybe that's a debate, um, but it seems like that's something that they know, uh, and it's, you know, in solid ground there. But I mean, well, I think I, it's, it's fascinating though, because I felt like, I feel like Sam and, and, and Zemo might be on the same page and even Carly, I think all three of them specifically might be in the same page, but I feel like they're all going about it in different ways, right? Where Sam believes that Zemo's right, that we shouldn't have super soldier serum, but he also believes that maybe we shouldn't just shoot people in the face if they do have it. Right. Versus Zemo believes that we should, um, which kind of presents the idea of like, once you have that power, like you said, does it amplify who you already are or does it corrupt you? It's the idea of how power corrupts. Um, yeah, and again, when you could say there's a Steve Rogers, and there is examples of like uh, good people with a lot of power, but there's probably a hundred more examples of bad people with a lot of power. I, I've never heard maybe the most useless touche ever in the history of cinema uh, took place in this episode because <laughs> Zemo lays out this entire supremacist argument and then all it Sam Wilson just goes or I think it was Bucky that goes Steve Rogers and immediately Zemo's like touche but I'm still I'm still believing every single thing I just laid out like even though that's a legitimate argument but Zemo's just like no, there's only one Steve Rogers, and it, it can never happen again. He was an outlier, and uh, there's still zero good that can come from it, even though I do have this evidence that there is. Like, it, I just thought it was so funny. I laughed um, in that very quick moment. Yeah, that, that was great, too. But I also feel like Zemo is like, if there's one in a, in a like, a billion or, like, eight billion, I think Zemo might be right. <laughs> like, Fair. the way he's like, Steve Rogers, and he's like, yeah, that's one in, like, homie was born in like 1920 bro like that's a long time (laughs) there's been a lot more people since then and so far it's only been steve so well and to be fair i mean bucky was you know manipulated into being evil with the Mm -hmm. super soldier serum and and, you know he's working his way back but you got it what is it nature versus nurture you know you gotta you gotta question like what bucky could have been had he not been taken captive by hydra Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean it's kind of like a separate discussion almost a completely different conversation to have uh than the one we've been having all along is hey can can someone redeem themselves after you know so many senseless murders and yeah and um i i really really love the opening scene to this episode by the way where he um is talking to i think oyo is how you pronounce her name uh, mm-hmm. From the Dora Milaje, and seeing him work all, seeing them together work all that out in Wakanda, I just thought it was—I uh, don't know—one of the best acting moments from Sebastian oh, yeah. Stan up until this point, for sure. Yeah, I was going to tweet out like thirty seconds in the episode, and I'm already crying. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was kind of shocked as far as like how emotional, like he was getting, and how emotional I was getting. I was like, "Damn, bro, I'm feeling for Bucky right now." Yeah, like that's wild. And later on in the episode, when he's talking to her in the street. It's just such a nice touch to like, I, I guess I should have assumed this and maybe someone already did, but hearing him speak Wakandan, I thought was a, was a nice touch mm. and I enjoyed that too. Yeah. Hearing him speak Wakandan and he mentioned Shuri as well. And yeah. I, I felt like that was another one where I was like, I'm pretty sure Shuri did something. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I'm still loving Bucky. Zemo is, uh, I, I could watch him in anything, man. Like I, I hope there's a reason to come back to Winter Soldier season two or see him in a movie, actually Baron Zemo it up, like have the mask and do some more crazy shit. I don't know. I don't know if there's a way that we can do that, but I I have a very strong feeling that I'm personally not going to be done with this character in uh, two weeks. I'm so curious where they're going to give us Zemo because to me, Zemo so far has like, exceeded everyone's expectations like he blew away my expectations mm-hmm. um but he exceeded everyone else's and and i'm at a point now where i'm like dang bro like you're at such a high with zemo that are are they gonna kill him off are they gonna keep him around or you know 
put him in a Wakandan prison. Like, I, I just don't know where his story ends. I don't either. I hope to God they don't kill him off, though. Again, yeah. that press conference that I had paused, I literally just watched Daniel Brule, and this would have been, you know, April 2016. He was asked if Zemo would come back, since he obviously was not killed at the end of Civil War. And I'm genuinely curious if they had plans for him five years ago, because, you know, this would have been before Disney Plus was probably even a thing for Kevin Feige. I'm just so curious if they had a plan for him back then, because he kind of just dodges the question. So, and, and, you know, we had a lot of fun looking at that, too, with, uh, like, the press conferences that Evan Peters was in when they were asking him, like, hey, Fox just got bought out by Marvel. Any chance you'd team up with the, the MCU guys? And he kind of just has to dodge it. And that's it, probably more likely that he knew about WandaVision back then. Mm. Um, so I, it's that kind of stuff just fascinates me, the behind the scenes and, you know, how long Kevin Feige has all of this in his head. And I... I hope that Zemo is not a casualty of the season because, you know, I could see him being the next Loki, for Christ's sake. I, I'm I'm with you, man. I, I really hope so. I see, I hope they see the potential of what Zemo brings uh, because so far I think he might be – you're right. I think he might be the most likable Marvel villain since Loki. He had some really, like, iconic, like, meme-worthy things here too, like the – the Turkish delight stuff and seeing mm -hmm. Baba black sheep and all, all that was just so much fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The way he was, uh, you know, good with kids and getting yeah. information better than everyone else. And he knew the, the groundwork, he knew the place, uh, the way he escaped, like all of it was just perfect, man. He's so damn watchable and he doesn't need that purple mask to, mm. to get there for me. So, Mm. technically i guess he never did but you know you could also just some people don't find him captivating in civil war and you know question like hey could all of this have happened like could he have actually put it's the bvs thing too like with lex luther like hey there's mm. a lot of you know coincidences and a lot of things have to happen for this to really you know get off the ground this divide but um and it, it, those are fair questions N none that i really look too far into uh mm -hmm. i appreciated zemo i think wandavision probably you know helped out a lot too but also you know recently did my mcu rewatch and just knowing that he'd show back up and i was able to appreciate it and watch it with a new set of eyes and so the past several months i've grown an appreciation for zemo and it kind of fed into you know i think the conversation and how uh pleased we are with him right now so yeah I'm with you. I think Zemo might be my biggest takeaway from this season so far. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. I think so too. I, I love very much. And I, I'm wondering if you agree with me. I wonder if you caught this moment. It's when they, I think it's right after the Turkish delight stuff and they're back at the flat or the apartment that they're staying in. And 
Zemo mentions to to the guys that he's going to maintain his leverage. He's not going to tell them everything about uh, Donya's funeral. And Bucky gets up, throws a glass across the room, and you know stares him down, looking really fucking pissed off. And when Sam calms him down, Bucky walks away, and you can see Zemo just taking a short breath. And I I just right then and there was so happy because I, and I smiled. I had a big smile on my face because I felt like that was the first time that we sort of broke one of Zemo's walls and we got to see him actually terrified of being face-to-face with the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I did catch that too. And I, and I yes. did notice the idea of like what that presents. But I was like, oh, okay. I, I'm curious. I wonder if they're... Uh... If that's just kind of residue of him realizing like he messed with the Winter Soldier so much that he feels like maybe Bucky has planned out to kill him or something like that. But I'm I'm not sure if I'm reading too much into it, but yeah, I felt like, yeah, that was definitely a moment. I was so prepared for that to be like the Ryan and Ace thing where I go one way and you go the complete opposite direction. Like I, I thought you would either be like, oh, I don't even remember that at all. Or no, I read it completely as something else. But uh, I'm so excited that you uh, caught that too. Maybe it's just an extremely obvious thing. And for whatever reason, I just thought that maybe you would think differently about it. But uh, maybe all of us took took that away from it. But uh fun moment. None, nonetheless. Um, do we have more to talk about with John Walker real quick? I mean, I I guess we kind of talked about the final moment and we can infer everything else. The fact that, you know, he had conversations with Hoskins about taking the serum and he shocked Sam when he displayed his powers in the stairwell and all of that. I I mean, I was already getting excited uh, for what that meant as all of that was unfolding uh, him finding the serum you know i just thought that was so so cool yeah i think the idea also presents without his buddy you know lamar i feel like that might be another uh, lead into a final battle where bucky and falcon have to team up on him mm. and it's not a two-on-two but a two-on-one kind of thing similar to civil war uh when bucky's uh and Steve had to take on Iron Man. So I feel like that's my that might be like, you know what I mean? Like cinematography wise, choreograph wise, I, I think it's going to be a two on one final battle for sure uh, with uh, with Walker and, and Bucky. Uh, but I also feel like it might present. I, I think the, I think it might finish up with everyone turning on the GRC and turning on America itself because of what the symbol has done. Uh, And maybe that might be where Carly's leverage is starting to work and maybe she can get what she wants as far as a little bit more control and power. I'm not sure. I'm curious where that's going to go as far as like everyone catching it on camera and all that. Yeah. That's sort of what Carly decided at the end of the episode was that, you know, the, the real message is killing Captain America and, you know, politically speaking, it just entirely depends on, how America responds, how the GRC responds in the next episode, because there's, there's a way that, um, that's the death of Captain America. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. I I think that's the optimistic route though. I think if we wanted to get a little bit more real and I don't know, maybe not put as much faith into the American people, or I, I shouldn't say the American people, but faith in the American government that put john walker in power in the first place uh Mm. i i don't know it might be something that they probably just dust under the rug but you know that's that's the pessimist in me i guess Mm. no i'm curious because there's so many implications of this as far as like should we even have a captain america now um should anyone get that shield uh and obviously i'm sure everyone's thinking that sam's gonna get it by the end of it and that's probably true but it's also the idea of like is there any way we come back from this uh, with the Captain America symbol and shield and all that and what it represents, uh, should we just let old things die, to quote my buddy Kylo Ren, um, it, you know, and just kind of move on from that? I, I feel like that might be the best <laughs> decision. Yeah. Uh, but that's just me. Uh, obviously, I'm not the show writer, so I don't know. Yeah, we probably could have figured this out a couple of weeks ago, but I mean, now more than ever, another obvious thing. Th- those scenes in the trailers 
where Sam is like practicing with the shield. That yeah. might be like maybe one of the final moments of the, of yeah. the season here. Yeah, I'm low-key. The more I think about it, the more I'm kind of disappointed that that was in the trailers. Yeah. I mean, do you, I mean, is there any way that John Walker is toast to next week and he becomes cap like for the final episode? I mean, I doubt it. I mean, that kind of throws your entire theory about that final battle unless it goes down next week. I mean, who knows? It might. Yeah. I, I, I mean, didn't the showrunner say that, you know, that episode five is the big one or something like that? He said that there's a, a moment that we're not going to be able to believe and it's like incredibly sad but i don't know that that mm. would i don't know that, that would be died. yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's a big john walker fan i don't know but uh <laughs> but i mean it could be you know like a game of thrones thing where like next week is the long night and it's kind of like you know two epic episodes back to back i guess and so what what if i pitch to you uh ryan snelling uh not a john walker death but a bucky death uh, considering we're getting all this juice from Bucky and considering we're setting up all this kind of, you know, pent up confusion and rage from Bucky that what if this is, what if Bucky dies? Is that too far? Um, honestly, <laughs> the first place my mind went before I arrived at like, Hey, what would this mean for the story? Is that like, would Sebastian Stan be done with the MCU in the way that Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. were so, like, they were 10 years in, you know? And Sebastian Stan is also 10, 11 years in at this point. So I guess that's where my mind goes first, is like, hey, do I think Sebastian Stan is done with the MCU. And then would that mean that they kill Bucky off? Because I, I don't know. I don't really see Bucky just riding off into the sunset and never showing up again. Um, I th- And I think also, I don't really like this conversation, but I mean, I think the optics would be bad if they killed, if one of the heroes had to die and it was Sam, I think that would just kind of be bad optics. Yeah. It's not going to be Sam. I I think if it's anyone, it's, I feel like they've been kind of leading up, not leading up to it, but like I I can see a situation where episode one starts out with Bucky being like, you know, I'm 110. I I don't really, I I don't have feelings for anyone. I'm not in love with anyone. It's hard for me to date. It's hard for me to connect to any human being whatsoever. Uh, I'm a man out of time. Uh, you know, I'm still recovering from crazy PTSD from being a super soldier and killing a hundred people uh, as an assassin. Like it's leading up to this whole tragic kind of like Shakespearean kind of ending where it's yeah. like a guy who was low key, almost like wanting the sweet relief of death. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying like, I mean, that's a bit far, but I'm saying like, it's definitely a guy who, his whole life he's just been battling 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 war 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 that i i don't i wouldn't be shocked if he suddenly finds himself in an ultimate battle for his life and he's you know ends up dying and that's I, how he goes out i think that um i might just not be prepared to answer that question uh, i think what i what i'm wrestling with is i can't really think of a, a an mcu death mm-hmm. wh- where i feel like I'm not done with this character. Yeah, that's why it's hard. I I, I don't think it's going to happen either, if I'm being honest. I'm just pitching it because this is what I do. I just pitch it. Uh, but I definitely don't think it's going to happen. I, I just think it's it's. I would probably do it if I'm being honest. I, I would pitch yeah. it to to Marvel and be like, hey, let's do something crazy. Uh, but I think they would be like, you're you're crazy. Sebastian Stan is like America's boyfriend. Um, we're not going to kill him off. <laughs> it, it, but but what you everything you said about his story though, and just you know the journey that the character's been on, I I think that if it did happen, I would understand how right it was for the character. Mm-hmm. But again, that's that's where it gets um, bittersweet because I'd just be like, man, I really just started loving Bucky. But then again, you know the conversation would just completely change because we could rewatch these movies again sort of what we talked about with Wanda and Vision and we have the the added context and may, maybe Falcon and Winter Soldier makes the entire MCU better um it just feels too i don't know i don't know if abrupt is the word but like i don't know how i feel about 
I haven't thought about wrestling with the fact that all of the phase, the Infinity, I should say the Infinity Saga characters, are just going to be completely, like, axed to make way for this new wave of heroes. Like, I just want some to bleed through. And, you know, we do have Mark Ruffalo's Hulk and She-Hulk, you know what I mean? And we had the Hawkeye series, but even that, sort of like a passing of of the baton, I, I would still like some constant. And, um... I don't know. I just I don't know. Maybe I'm just inferring way too much, and maybe somebody somebody that I'm not thinking of will be that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, w- that's a better conversation to have in two weeks. Sure, sure. And, and I feel like I don't know. So far, Marvel hasn't shown to do it, so I just don't see them doing it. If I'm being honest, I mean, True. think about how many you can count on your on one hand how many people have died in the Marvel universe as far as like major characters i mean obviously maybe a couple side characters but like major major characters probably like a couple and that's kind of it so i don't know but maybe that's gonna be uh one of the things about phase four is that it's it is gonna be out with the old and in with the new and maybe that's why you can do things like shock us with hoskins death it's like no this is just kind of what we're doing now and uh, it's 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 inevitable because we uh we run the risk of recycling through a lot of these moments and tones and we gotta shake it up a bit yeah i I could see it happening i i feel like it'd be bold i if i if i'm being honest i would do it i'd pull the trigger on on green lighting that episode if that would happen um just because i feel like it's bold it's it's so bold i mean this episode was bold probably the boldest we've seen in, in quite a while, but I feel like if you're really going to push it over the edge, I think that would be even bolder. Um, and considering, like you just said, it's letting old things die or letting the, the, the older things kind of fade away. Who, old, who is older than Bucky? <laughs> Literally the oldest one. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it would represent quite a bit. Yeah. I, um, I, I pretty much run out of notes. Um, Power broker. Oh, that was another moment that I didn't really catch at first, but I caught it the second time around where the power broker was uh, introduced again in this episode. He's threatening Carly's life because he wants the remaining serum, and that kind of adds some stakes to her character because she obviously doesn't have any to give him. And uh, so, yeah, I thought that was yeah, can exciting. I, I mean, obviously, I don't know how much you've been on the internet and Not how much you've heard. <laughs> have you heard about the... Uh, the Sharon Carter is the power broker rumor. I, I have not. That is, uh, okay. yeah, you just now, you it's just now introduced so them. popular. It is like, everyone is absolutely convinced that there's no way that she just has satellites and she's just running this crazy underground empire. And that, yeah, if you saw the shot where she's on the phone, there's like five guys with guns behind her, almost like protecting her. Uh, and there's people reading into that as like, wait a minute, she has way too much power to just be like an ex, you know, you know, shield agent just running around. Like she has, she's commanding like an entire army and a satellite. Like she must be the power broker. And maybe that's why she's letting, um, uh, Sam and Bucky kind of do all the heavy lifting. And then she's going to kind of swoop in at the very end and be like, it was me all along. Uh, what do you think of that? I think it makes sense. You know, yeah. I um, I remember guys being around her when she was walking down the street. And I, I think the question, the thing that I had was like, maybe I don't understand Mad Rapport as much as I thought I did. Because I did think it was weird that she was so openly walking down the street. I mean, she's not in disguise or anything. I mean, not that people recognize Sharon Carter, I don't guess. But I, I don't know. I just assumed that she, she, she stands out. I guess it's it, also the scene in uh in the episode when she first came out where at the very end she uh you know she has like a security lady come up to her and gives her an iPad and she's like you know this is what we have to do and she gets in the back of a car and she seems to be commanding some sort of like yeah you know organization or faction or army I assumed it was like you know shield or something or like some sort of like maybe she's still part of shield but I, I guess I shouldn't have assumed that and that maybe she is a part of uh some bigger organization and maybe she does command that kind of power yeah i don't know um i have to rewatch that scene because now um i remember her kind of mentioning to sam well 
I guess maybe I don't understand. Hmm. The power broker's motivate. Like I don't know. I. I you're. Th- he just wanted the. He's pissed at Carly because he wanted the super soldier serum because she stole right. it from him. So now I'm thinking about like why she would want it, and I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we would definitely get that information uh, during the reveal, and you know, just an exposition dump as to how they got there. But like, I'm thinking about how like the power broker had relationships with the old lady that they killed last week, right? So it's like, why did she help? Why did she help them this week take care of what they needed to take care of? Even though Zemo killed, I don't know, like. Zemo killed the guy that could have gotten them, the the doctor from last week who created yeah. the serum. Like I don't know. It just yeah, that's a that's that's a big idea that I hadn't considered yet. Yeah. I mean I I'm curious it might be it might be the case. It might be easier for them as as like a writing team to just kind of make her the power broker. Uh maybe that's why people are assuming it. It but, certainly makes more. It's not nearly as big of a reach as it is. It uh, is the, yeah. the the theory that what I say last week, I think that I saw on Twitter that some people think abomination is the power broker. Now that I think sounds awful. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I I don't see that coming in. I mean, uh, there's been several theories. There's been what if it's you know Secretary of State Ross, or what if it's uh, what else did I hear? Oh, what if it's the Mandarin, uh, the real Mandarin from uh, Shang Chi? Yeah, um, that's that'd be. That's I, a I don't. One. I don't. It's a. It's fine, but it's like how many how many identities does this motherfucker have to have? Like, let's just let's just bring out the Mandarin next. Like, don't intro, reintroduce him as the power broker and then talk about how he's the Mandarin. Like, that, I hate that idea. I mean, I guess that's why I—that's I, part of why I don't like the abomination thing. But it's also just because, hey, who actually cares about that character? Like, don't don't make it that because who cares? But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I I'm cool with the Sharon theory. I'm cool with it. Um, I'm also cool if they introduce a completely brand new character that is not another version of a character we've already come to know or understand. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm so curious what they're eventually going to do with that, but we'll definitely find out pretty soon. Two episodes. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not ready for this to end. Mm. Can I just say one thing since we're kind of winding down? Yeah. Uh, that scene where uh, Zemo is smashing the super soldier uh, juices. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Yes. I really do. And I think it really kind of, I just think it's such good writing. Uh, I, I've been on the record saying I, I've been disappointed with by some writing decisions in other shows where they kind of make it seem like someone we've always known who has these ideals suddenly switches and they've changed their mind or if they, they suddenly start to reach for power, even though that's w- wasn't what they were doing initially. Yeah. I love that he's stuck to his guns and he's like, this is evil. <laughs> I'm going to smash this to bits. Um, <laughs> instead of the cliche, like, ha 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 ha. I'm going to take it and beat the crap out of Bucky because I'm evil. And he like looks at the camera and, you know, twirls his mustache. Like I, I would have been so disappointed if that's what they did. And I was so glad when he was just looking at it, like it was disgusting and just smashing it. Uh, I don't know. I thought that was kind of so well done. It it just works because he is instinctively not what us fans think about. You know, yeah. it's like we're not thinking twice about the ethics of the super soldier serum. We're just like, yeah, juice up Steve Rogers and let's see him take out Red Skull. Like we're not even thinking about it. We're yeah. not thinking about what's going to happen in seventy years when someone recreates it. Or gets, like that's just not what it is. And so how Zemo, you know, is so rooted and disagrees with like the mcu (laughs) like the fact that avengers should exist that's what's so fascinating about him and so i i not only do i never want him to change his stance on any of this but i want his perspective on anything that comes up in the mcu like just give me more of zemo and (laughs) zemo reviews yeah I, i i want i want zemo's uh, position on everything involving 
these super superhero storylines coming forward. Go break them out of prison in every movie if it means that we get some great ethical questions that you know reconfigure everything we've come to know about these movies. He's uh, he's just so damn in- interesting and entertaining. Um, yeah, I, I, it really does kind of paint a picture of like how American audiences have been conditioned to accept yeah. the fact that superheroes and, and like superpowers are always been so cool, right? Where we always feel like ever since we were five years old, or at least I have, ever since I was a little kid, a tiny little kid, I, I've always wanted to have superpowers, right? right? Where I feel like if I had superpowers, I could do whatever I want, I could you know, people could like, you know, you could beat up the bad guys and uh, beat up the bully. And we've always been conditioned to feel like that's cool. And that's awesome, even as audience members. But if real, if we really want to put it in a real world scenario, if you think about it, man, real life, like vigilantes are super rare. Yeah. But usually they're like white supremacist. (laughs) Like usually they're like, super anti-black super like uh you know pretty extreme and they own like hundreds of munitions and guns and they don't believe in the government and they're kind of low-key terrorists uh but they call themselves vigilantes and and obviously there's there's a handful in america uh but those kind of people do exist and they're usually pretty (laughs) insane uh, and they usually like end up beating up minorities and stuff. So it's always kind of fascinating when you really think about the idea of like, I'm going to do, I'm going to stop crime and I'm going to beat up the guy who's smoking a blunt. And I'm like, that's not <laughs> a good thing. Right. Uh, and neither is like giving superpowers to like, you know, soldiers from a nation because we feel like those soldiers are worthy because we're a better nation than everyone else. Uh, and that ex- that's exactly what the super soldier serum represents. So I, I just think it's fascinating that Zemo-, Zemo is making us think about this stuff and we're like, oh, crap. <laughs> Oops. Do you think that we're going to get more from um, I can't remember the character's name. Was it Isaiah, the the mm. uh, black gentleman who was uh, given the super soldier serum? I hope so, man. I-, I really do. I think we might get maybe just like a tiny final like button. At yeah. the end of uh, the final episode, but pre- probably not, not too much more than that. Was that his name? Was that Isaiah or yeah, Isaac? Isaiah. Isaiah Bradley. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's the character's name. Um, on IMDb, it says one episode, so that oh, it, it, it could just it could just be because that's uh, behind a wall until sure. the next two episodes come out. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, man, I, I think that it's uh, pretty much uh, all we have here. Yeah, uh, what an episode, man! What a you know, wild turn of events. What a what a way to make you think about everything we've already seen for the past ten years. It's kind of amazing. I, I've been thinking a lot going back to uh, what I said at the very top of this episode. I'm just thinking about you know we constantly compare movies and rank these movies, and I just been involving the WandaVision show and the Falcon and Winter Soldier show in that conversation. I don't think it's that hard to do, honestly. These seasons are only like six hours. I mean, why not be able to... Why not rank these titles inside the MCU? And um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I mean, it it might be like in my top ten MCU projects. I really do believe that. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard for me to rank TV, though, man. It's always going to be difficult for me. I'm with you in the movies. Like, I'll rank the movies all day. But when it comes to, like, ranking the movies with the TV, it's it's tough because I really do feel like adding, you know, five, six hours to anything is going to amplify it, whether for good or for bad. Yeah. But I just feel like it's such a different medium. Um, at least right now, uh, there's definitely examples where it might not be, but I feel like so far marvel television has still been television versus other shows i might have seen that might be a little bit more like a film um but i still feel like i'm with you though i I feel like this is definitely one of the best things that marvel has done for sure these shows are on letterboxd just because you know any kind of like self that's not the word i want 
Um, it's not an anthology, but you know what I mean. The fact that it's just like a one and done season. Yeah. Uh, that's any TV show that's like that is on Letterboxd. So like, I, I was just thinking about the placement and you know the narrative right now, and the reason why we're excited is because oh hey, this is something the MCU's never been able to do before. Actually expand and dive deep into these characters. But I mean, we also know that. You know, a TV show can also be bad and also not do anything for us. And so it's like, you know, I was just kind of going through everything that you said. Like, hey, how do I really feel about this? Could I confidently rank this? And uh, I just kind of decided that, like, hey, I'm never going to see Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man in a TV show, per se. But I guarantee that I'll think that, like, hey, his character work in, in one movie might be more impressive than Sam's character work in an entire season of a TV show. Like, it's not just automatically better because it's in a TV show. Uh, there are certainly advantages, but yeah. I, I, I was just kind of working that out in my head throughout the week, and uh, yeah, I felt pretty comfortable saying that. So, What do you feel – this will be my last thing. What do you feel about – because uh, one of my co-hosts brought this up – comparing this to Netflix uh, Marvel stuff, what do you think this ranks compared to uh, some of the great stuff we've seen from – Netflix Marvel. Well, I, I'm not the most well versed just because a, a lot of those second and third seasons I, I didn't get mm. into because I was already kind of out. Um, mm. I didn't finish Luke Cage. I didn't finish Jessica Jones. Iron um, Fist. You know what? I did watch Iron Fist, but it was <laughs> it was it was purely because I Iron had Fist is fun. I don't agree, but I, I, <laughs> I had to see if it got better at least. And that was the first, well, aside from the defenders being, you know, eight episodes or whatever. Um, that was the first time where Netflix Marvel acknowledged, Hey, maybe the seasons just need to be shorter. So I just had to see what that was like. I, it's unfortunate that it was iron fist, but, um, I, I, that's the one thing that I will always stand by. I always felt like there were three episodes too long. Uh, they were 13 episodes, right? I think is what it was. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, man, make it 10. If you give me 10, I, I think this will be flawless. But 13 always felt like, God, just just give it 10 and it's good. It's good to go. Yeah. I think that it's probably safer to do what Kevin Feige said, which is like, hey, six hours for all of these things. Yeah. That's, um, that's probably the best route, to be honest. Six hours is perfect. It, it's It's safe. And I'm down, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to leave, like, you know, sort of the exact opposite of what we talk about with Netflix Marvel. Like, man, like, WandaVision probably could have had another episode. Like, I feel like we'll have that conversation inevitably. Mm. Yeah, but I I always feel like less might be more, especially for TV. If you can make it in less, then then do it. Uh, And, you know, we'll have another conversation down the road. I'm, I'm just so curious to see how Kevin Feige pivots based on our interest you know like Mm. is there any version of a conversation like hey we didn't think falcon a winter soldier would be a hit but like hey can we do a second season like i'm so curious where kevin feige can call an audible and um just get another season greenlit you know especially when it doesn't involve getting 30 of the same actors together you know in the same like three month period you know one actor i I don't i don't know maybe it is similar and how shooting schedules work out with the actors but uh but yeah anyway yeah i feel like that's always going to be a question as far as scale where everywhere that marvel seems to be going is like gigantic universe deciding dimension hopping kind of stuff where it's so massive that it's almost kind of difficult for you know non-fans to get into it but this kind of stuff might be better for non-fans to get into when it's like hey they're in this different country and they're undercover and they got to stop this guy and it's like it's easier to to follow than like this guy's the sorcerer supreme and he can open up pocket dimensions right so yeah yeah um not everything needs to be funny not everything needs to be fantastical and not everything yeah. has to have a cliche villain of the week. Um, like I said, this might be in my top ten. So, anyway, do we um, have any final thoughts before heading out of here? Uh, no, man. I mean, shout out to uh, I'll give a final shout out to Aaron Kellyman who plays yes. uh, Car- Carly Mo- Morgenthau. I feel like we had we didn't talk about her too much this episode, even though she had a lot to do. Yes, um, she's great, man. I hope she's in more stuff. 
I think she's really great. And I, I'm impressed considering she's like, what, 20 or something like that. Mm. Uh, she's like super young. So I feel like she has a great career ahead of her. Maybe she's the next Zemo, you know, well, <laughs> we'll she'll be alive at the end of the season and maybe she'll pop up in a movie when Spider-Man has to go visit <laughs> Flag Smasher in prison to get to somebody else. And maybe we'll get some, uh, more from her. I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. I'd be kind of down for that. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much for uh, talking to me about this. Uh, always love you uh, on the show, and it's always good. So appreciate it again. All good, man. I appreciate being here. Where can they find you until next week? Yeah, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at Squad Leader Race and on my YouTube channel at First Cut. Twitter and Instagram at watch underscore Ryan underscore and also on Letterboxd. Watch underscore Ryan underscore. Appreciate it. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.